Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Glad to be back with you for another episode of Canadians Connection, episode 18 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Serge Savard episode. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be joined with, uh, once again, by the Serge Savard to my Jacques Demare, Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing very well, thanks. Um, so does that mean that sometime during the show I have to do a Savardian spinorama um, well, well, speaking is that is that the deal? That that may be the case. Either that, or we will have to win some sort of award uh, for the best podcast in the uh, in in the NHL, or at least in in the NHL media landscape. So that that's the that's the goal for us. Where I'm Jacques Demare, you're Serge Savard. So at some point, you either need to do that, or we need to uh, <laughs> win some sort of an award. So uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I look forward to. So, this is uh, going to be an interesting episode because, man, oh man, did the Montreal Canadiens ever have a good week? This was, I mean, I, I could probably tell. I probably wouldn't have told you last week that we would be having this conversation. I mean, just looking at what Montreal was dealing with, and they went into last week. I mean, they beat Colorado at home three to nothing, and everything that led up to that. That was the first game where we saw some line changes. We saw Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin separated. For the first time, uh, basically since Domi's been since Domi returned from his suspension earlier this season, so then you have a three-two uh, overtime victory at Boston. That was a big game. Then five-one victory on that second night of a back-to-back. Antiniemi standing on his head, and a lot of times you see a goaltender put in that situation on the second night of a back-to-back, and it's a lamb to the slaughter. But man, oh man, five-one victory, and then a four-one victory just to cap it all off last night and uh, of course tonight they are back home to face the uh, Philadelphia Flyers but four out of four wins uh, four out of four this week for the Montreal Canadiens so just just a remarkable week been a great week Um, and if we're uh, looking at the playoff um, uh, possibilities uh, as 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 we're want to do as we get close to the all-star break um, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, uh, the Islanders charging, uh, charging up the standings and, uh, now all of a sudden they're first in the, in, in the Metro, yeah. um, Buffalo is, is, um, lost a couple of games and said, Hey, wait a minute. How did this happen? Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're on the outside looking in right now. Uh, Carolina the, was looking like they were going to do some damage and, and uh, they've lost uh, back-to-back games. Yeah. Um, so you got Montreal and Pittsburgh sitting in the, in the, the wild card and uh, with Montreal uh, scaring some folks, certainly the fans anyway, in, uh, in the big smoke and, and um, with, with the Canadians just a point back of uh, the Maple Leafs now. Um, they have, uh, they're going to have plenty of games in hand, 
because uh, uh, the Leafs don't play tonight and, and uh, the Canadians yeah. have the opportunity to, to move ahead of them. Yeah, they do. And I mean, right now you look at it, they're, uh, they're tied with the Boston Bruins. Boston, they've played uh, one less game than Montreal, so they currently sit in that third position in the Atlantic Division. But yeah, just as many people predicted, I imagine, uh, holding down the two wildcard spots here on January 19th, 2019, the Montreal Canadiens in first position, the Pittsburgh Penguins behind them in number two. So it just speaks to how crazy that Metro division, how tight that is when you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, the way that they've ran away with the Atlantic, but the Leafs, the Bruins, and Montreal, to their credit, they're all right there. That, that's, that's a tight, you know, two through, you know, that wild card spot. So it will be very interesting to see how that all unfolds. Uh, and and just looking at yeah. looking ahead to the end of year pr- projections, um, I think last time we looked, um, whether it was last week or the week before, um, the Canadians were projected to finish the season with about 90 points, which yeah. which gave them kind of 90.5, I believe, um, uh, uh, kind of a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, now, when you look at it, they're projected to uh, get 95 points. Uh, and that's that's good for a, a 74% chance of of making the playoffs. Um, so, you know, barring a, a dip or or a surge by by um, you know Carolina or a Buffalo or or whatever, um, the uh, Montreal is is looking like they're in. in let's just say, um, you know. Last time we looked, it was kind of a tenuous uh, playoff position. This time it's uh, a bit more comfortable, I'd say. And, I mean, that's how you want to go. You don't want to peak too early. And right now the Montreal Canadiens riding a four-game winning streak heading into tonight's game against the Philadelphia Flyers. So we'll see if they can continue that sort of momentum as they head towards uh, the All-Star break and, and their bye week. So shall we dive right in with uh, the winners and losers of the week? Or before we get there, maybe even I just forgot about something. We want to hear from you because there is something that we would like to uh, talk about a little bit later on the show. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> we had some, uh, we had some kind of uh, uh, bad news in amongst all this good news. Um, yeah. One of the, uh, one of the Canadians leaders, the, the uh, player who wears one of the A's uh, on his sweater and that's Paul Byron. And um, he was suspended for three games by the uh, NHL um, uh, Department of Player Safety, and we'll be talking about that a little bit more in in segment two. But we yeah. just want to hear from you uh, as far, and we've been getting um, responses already. But we want to hear from you as uh, what did you think about the three game suspension handed down to Paul uh, Byron? And you can reach us on Twitter, you can reach us on Facebook. Um, or how about calling calling in? You can um, yeah. if you want to go live with us today. Uh, um, we're here for an hour. Uh, you can reach us at two one three nine four three thirty seven fifty four. That's the studio number two one three nine four three thirty seven fifty four. Or if you want to text us now or any time during the week, it's five eight five three rocket five eight five three rocket. All right. So, yeah, we want to hear what you have to say about the Paul Byron suspension. Me and Rick are going to talk a little bit about it in that second segment, as he said. But we want to hear from you, see what you have to say about all of that. And, uh, yeah, but before we get there, now we will dive in to the winners and losers of the week. 
And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. Yeah, so as I said, it was a good week for the Montreal Canadiens, so not exactly an easy task to pick out losers, but a lot of, a lot easier to pick out some winners. So, Rick, will I get us started this week with uh, my winner? Uh, tell us all about it. <laughs> so, uh, this past week, on, uh, on Monday, I believe it was, uh, Josh Georges announced his retirement from the NHL. And Josh Georges, to me, was he was always one of my favorite players. He was just... Every time you, that he stepped onto the ice, it just felt to me that you knew you were going to get the absolute best of Josh George's. And, you know, he was really an unsung hero in his time in Montreal. He was a great leader on the ice. He was a, a guy that was well-respected within that room. And when you look at some of the statistics, and I did some diving, you know, because I knew that that he was a guy that had led the league in block shots for one season, which was the 2011-2012 season. But what I also didn't know, or I'd forgotten at the at the very least, was he was a plus 14 on that team. The Montreal Canadiens in 2011-2012, if you don't remember, finished 28th in the league. They got Alex Galchenyuk after that season with the third overall pick. And Josh Georges managed to be a plus 14 to put that in perspective, Montreal finished 28th last season. Granted, they had a, a far worse record in 2011-2012. They were 31-35-16. and 16. Last season, they were 29-40-13. and 13. And plus seven was the highest rating amongst Montreal Canadian skaters for plus minus. And that was Nicolas Delorier, who I don't, I don't think he played as many. He only played 58 games, and I think Josh Georges played uh, pretty well close to the whole season. As it, and it shows with his block shots, which he got 250 in that 2011-2012 season. That was 51 more than the next, than, the, than number two in the league. So when you put this all together for Josh Georges, in his eight seasons in Montreal, he was plus 34 with 1,042 block shots. And, and furthermore, a lot of that, I mean, when you look back at the 2013-2014 run to the Eastern Conference Finals that season. He was playing alongside P.K. Subban. And I, look, P.K. Subban was a very talented player for the Montreal Canadiens, a very dynamic player for the Montreal Canadiens. But one of the things that he wasn't really strong at that point in his career uh, was, was defense. And Josh George has kind of had to be his, you know, he kind of had to play defense for two because there was a lot of times where P.K. Subban was caught out of position and Josh George was the guy that would bail him out or, you know, at the very least, uh, at least be there for Carey Price to bail out P.K. Subban. <laughs> at least he was somewhere in the vicinity of, of what was happening. So, you know, a lot of this, he was never the flashy guy. I mean, he played on teams with, with Andre Markov and, and, and P.K. Subban, as I said. You know, and he wasn't the guy that stepped up and made those big hits a lot of the time, like maybe an Alexi Emelin did. But he was a guy back there that you just felt safe with. He wasn't you know, the analytic darling. He wasn't anything that modern-day NHL would, would really love or appreciate. But to me, I mean, in his time in Montreal, he was just just a warrior for them. And, and it shows with a, a shot block to the head one time and just, as I said, 250 block shots in one season and, and over 1,000 in his time in Montreal. So to me, Josh George's is uh, my winner of the week. And, and I just wanted to give him a little bit of a, of a show of respect for his time in Montreal. 
It's a tremendous choice, and Warrior is uh, exactly the right word uh, for his block shots, as you say, um, um, and also for the way he would stand up, not not um, the biggest guy physically, but the way he would yeah. stand up for his uh, his teammates, whether you know getting into a skirmish uh, to to uh, right a wrong or or to um, uh, protect his good friend Carey Price. Um, yeah. And that whole thing with, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about the plus minus in, in that particular year. Remember how bad that year, the, the, the pre-Galchenyuk yeah. year was, in that the Canadians fired their coach. They, they, they you know, a, as you might expect, moved in the assistant coach, and then they apologized for doing that. The, the year was a disaster. And for yeah. uh, Josh Georges to come out in that was was uh terrific i you know he was he was um he wore the a he was uh you mentioned a leader on the ice leader off the ice too remember those uh behind the scenes uh um uh canadian shows where where josh yeah. George was always the last <laughs> guy on the ice and and he had that that particular uh the the things he would say to rev up the team as they were yep. on the ice um <laughs> And, uh, you know, a, a, a couple of the only th- things that I'll add is, is first, um, I, I want to remember Bob Gainey um, because, you know, um, uh, fans talk about um, uh, Mark Bergevin picking up uh, Paul Byron on waivers. But how about the trade that Bob Gainey made um, at the deadline in 2007 to get Josh Georges? Um, he sent... Craig Reve and a fifth round Craig Reve and a fifth round draft choice to San Jose uh, for Josh Georges and a first round pick, um, and that pick became Matt, Max Pacioretty. So you got Max yeah. Pacioretty, Josh Georges for Craig Reve of all people and a fifth round pick. Tremendous. Um, yeah. And the other thing that that when I think of Josh Georges that that stands out, one of the things that I've uh, complained about um, certainly uh, on the from the press box uh, uh, with Amy Johnson um, a podcast is th- the way the the Canadians don't take care of their young players um, and and I'm talking off ice um, and that gap with that hole with the Canadians not not uh, looking after their younger players it was Josh George's that stepped in and said to Brendan Gallagher, come live, come live with me. Um, yeah. for Brendan's first two seasons, uh, in the NHL. And yeah. it was, uh, Brendan Gallagher living with Josh Georges, uh, and his wife, Maggie and, and their dog, uh, on the South shore, uh, right close to, to Broussard. And, um, at the time, uh, you know, it, it was easy for Brendan Gallagher. All he had to worry about was hockey. Uh, yeah. Josh and, and, and Maggie looked after his play, you know, he had a place to live. He didn't have to worry about, um, getting into trouble or in the nightlife or, or whatever it was, uh, the, 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 the pair of them looked after everything. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, so now, um, uh, Georges has maintained, um, uh, his relationship with, with Brendan Gallagher with uh, Carey Price, with um, yeah. uh, former um, uh, 
um, Canadians captain Brian Gionta. And I mean, he's a, he's a w- really well-respected player uh, around the league. And now it's nice to see him. Um, you know, his junior team was the Kelowna Rockets, and, and now he's helping out with, uh, with Kelowna and, and uh, their head coach, Adam Foote. Um, and, and, you know, passing on what he knows to his own. Uh, he's got a, uh, two boys, a four-year-old and a three-year-old, right. kind of passing on <laughs> uh, and, and enjoying that part. And uh, so yeah. couldn't be happier um, for Josh George's, his retirement, and, and uh, really glad that, that uh, um, you included him in, uh, in this conversation and made him winner of the week. Yeah, it only felt right. And as you say about Brendan Gallagher, there was a really funny exchange on Instagram between Brendan Gallagher and Josh George's. So there's a, you know, there's, as you say, the, the relations are still there between Josh George's and a lot of his former teammates uh, from, from his time in Montreal. So uh, yes, a, a great career for Josh George's and uh, yeah, it only felt right to include him. So uh, I suppose we'll move on now to your winner winners of the week. <laughs> Winners of the week. Feeling really positive, Plural. as you said, and um, yeah. so um, uh, I'm I'm going to leave off the the loser this week and uh, mm-hmm. make this uh, make this a positive segment and have two winners. Um, first of all, uh, Jesperi Kakanyemi, and and um, I you know I think we've seen um, him continue to mature. There was there was a, a time when many were saying that there was a uh, bit of a plateau. He was, he, you know, he had, he had kind of stalled uh, a bit. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, certainly that, uh, that goal that we saw uh, against uh, Reimer uh, and the Florida Panthers uh, <laughs> put an end to that. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was a tremendous goal. Um, and uh, when came said that, that, uh, Andrew Shaw said it was uh, a pretty mint goal. So that's, that's all <laughs> that, that, that he was, he was happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> but he's, his ice time, you know, which I've complained about in the past that, that he was kind of stuck around the 12 minute mark. That's been creeping up. Um, his average ice time is, is close to 14 minutes now. Um, uh, the goal department, um, you know, uh, just six goals, um, but 23 points. And, and uh, I think he's, uh, you know, I, I, I still think that there was a, a, a parallel path that could have been taken and, and, and that uh, I would have liked to have seen him gone back to Finland, especially when we're getting into the second half of the, the schedule and it's getting tougher and, and uh, yeah. You know, you you worry about uh, uh, worry about him breaking down the number of games he's playing, the 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 travel, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But he he seems to be um, adapting, and I, I think part of it is just his um, personality. His personality is yeah. kind of um, there's a there's a an odd combination of of he seems rather naive about certain things uh yet there's a there's a clear confidence in his his abilities uh and it's all kind of charming i think kind of infectious for for the team and and um he's he's adored by his teammates um, yeah and um yeah i i i i i like um what i what i'm seeing 
Um, now, uh, there's a bit of a stir called, uh, caused um, this, this week um, with, with uh, infamous coach Scotty Bowman um, <laughs> coming out and saying that uh, um, kind of a caveat, no one will ever compare to Jean Beliveau. But, um, you know, he, he, he sees qualities in Kokinyemi, um, that, that remind him, uh, a certain amount of, of Jean Beliveau, which is, you know, ridiculously high praise. Um, and, uh, so far Kokinyemi has been kind of flying under the radar a bit with this, this kind of naive and, and hasn't been, been subjected to the, the real harsh spotlight of Montreal uh, media, but um, you know, I, I kind of wish <laughs> Scotty hadn't said it. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, he, he, he said no one compares to Jean, but Kakinyemi at 18 has a lot of Jean's characteristics in his game. When Kakinyemi is about 22 He'll be a number one center in Montreal. Um, so he's giving him a bit of a buffer. Um, yeah. You know, four years to get there. Um, but, um, you know, uh, Bowman's obviously um, very uh, impressed with how smart he is, his puck sense, mm-hmm. uh, his vision, uh, and just the enjoyment that, that KK takes from the game. It's, it's um, so you under, un, understand what he's saying and and there's not anything that I would disagree with uh other than the fact that you put both of those names in a sentence and yeah. it, it causes uh wild unrealistic expectations right right off the hop yeah and that's yeah that was my uh cuz remember earlier this season when when there was that picture that was floating around where it was uh Kokinami in a very similar position tying his skates as Maurice Richard or right. uh, I believe it was Maurice Richard. And that was the thing. We don't want to pressure him more than I, I'm sure he's already. And, and you mentioned, I think the thing that saves Kotkaniemi is that personality that he has, that kind of naive, everything is, you know, the first time he's ever experienced it kind of mentality. But then when he gets on the ice, it seems like he's so much, he, he's wise beyond his years. And it, it just hit the play, the plays that he makes, you might not even really, he might not even understand why he's doing it, but he's doing it because it just makes sense to him, you know? So um, it, just to me, I think that there's, as you say, there's something to be said about the way that he looks at everything for, you know, being a, being a first time experience. And then once he steps onto the ice, it's, it's all business. And you see Yasperi Kotkaniemi as, as somebody that is not just an 18 year old playing hockey, but looks like, a guy that's been in the pros for many, many years. And I think that his time playing with uh, men again and over in his, uh, over in Finland certainly helped with that. So my, my other, um, my second uh, winner um, and, and, and the reason that I'm, I'm giving up uh, uh, naming a, a loser <laughs> is because I just couldn't ignore uh, the Canadians goaltending. And um, I and I'm talking about the Canadians' goaltending, uh, the Canadians' the goaltending in the Canadians' organization, and certainly that's led uh, 
first and foremost by Carey Price. And, and yeah. I think all of the, the silliness that, that we've heard, um, you know, about, about Carey Price, uh, you know, not being at the top of his game or not being at the top of the heap when it comes to goaltenders uh, in the NHL uh, anymore is, is, is utter nonsense. And we've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, that um, the other part of that is that uh, right off, right from the beginning of the season, I think that, that Mark uh, Bergevin was doing some, um, you know, a bit of a deflection when he went out in front of the media after the, the initial success of the Canadians and said, um, you know, this has nothing to do with Carey Price. It's, uh, you know, we're winning as a team. And, and, and I think because Bergevin was under so much pressure last year, because he had so much criticism and because so many fans expected him to be fired at the end of last season, that uh, Bergevin's had to go on the defense. And I think part of that too is because he did nothing over the summer yeah. to uh, rectify some of the, the problems, particularly with the defense. Um, so he didn't, he didn't want to be, uh, he didn't want to have that narrative out there that Carey Price was, was, uh, covering for his mistakes, uh, as it has, uh, has been or the coaching mistakes. Um, so he kind of preempted that by getting out there and saying, you know, look at, look at what I've done with the, the forwards and we're scoring and, and we don't need Carey Price. <laughs> Of course, that was silly even back then because the Canadians would play, score a bunch of goals, and then uh, sit on the bench and and turn the game over to Carey Price to to uh, you know hold on to for for them. Um, and certainly um, since the end of November, uh, it's been it's been ridiculous. Um, yeah, we've we've seen. Um, you know, the numbers are, are just mind boggling. Uh, uh, Carey Price in seven appearance, uh, appearances in uh, January. I think it was Eric Ingalls that put this out. Uh, seven appearances in January, a save percentage of 951. Um, you know, unreal numbers, yeah. unreal numbers. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, and, and so uh, the, the case is being made, well, he's, he's, He's been good recently or been good in 2019 or um, so I decided to go back and look at um, a 20 game stretch, uh, which takes us uh, back to the end of November. And um, in those 20 games, um, um, there price has a record of 13, seven and oh, which is good. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, but then you d- dive deeper and you, you, you look at <laughs> what he's been doing and what the team hasn't been doing. Um, so I looked at for the past 20 games, I looked at all goaltenders and those who had, those who were the starters compared them to the starters. Those were that were uh, that have played in 12 games or more uh, prices yeah. played in 20. So anybody 12 games or more um, in those 20 games, price has a 938 save percentage. Uh, that puts him at third, I think, third or fourth. Uh, he has a 179 goals against, which is second in that period in the league. Um, goals saved above average, uh, which uh, that's a, 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 a 
a real important statistic for me uh, when you compare it to, you know, what would you, what would you have compared to a, a, a goaltender? Um, how many, how many more saves has he made? How many more, less goals has he, he put in, let in yeah. allowed. And um, uh, that comes out to nine fewer goals uh, than actually would have allowed in that game, which almost um, uh, half per game. Uh, half a goal per game that places him third in the league. Um, he's faced a ton of high danger scoring chances. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because uh, we saw that, that great game by, by uh, Niemi uh, against the Panthers or a, a, a career high for him at 52 saves. Um, but the Panthers um, only had 14, 14 of the 52 were high danger. Um, and uh, the, the, Panther, the Panthers are a desperate team. They're just shooting from all over the ice. Yeah. Um, Price actually had a tougher um, start against the Blue Jackets, who had more, had 16 high danger shots, um, and Price made 34 saves. Uh, so his, his high danger save percentage is third in the league. Um, his uh, high danger goals against is second in the league. He, uh, Price has been remarkable, and and no more better game than to uh, show that show that or or display that was against the Bruins. Um, Price intimidates the Bruins. He yeah. owns the Bruins. He was dominant against the Bruins, um, and and they have a difficult time playing against price. And, and so he has been um, absolutely dominant. Um, but I said, this was also going to be about um, the Canadians goaltending in general. And, and so um, I'm going to throw in um, um, uh, Antti Niemi, who's had a really rough season. Um, yeah. His goals, uh, goals against was uh, worst in the league uh, for a stretch but the last two, he's had uh, two quality starts. Um, now he has three quality starts on the year. He, he's had two good games back-to-back, and certainly that, that game against uh, the Panthers, he was able to develop a lot of confidence with all of those, with the, 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 the quantity of work that he had. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's maybe righted the ship a bit and uh, will allow the, the, the coaching staff to go to him a, a bit more often. Um, and then we look at the Laval rocket goaltending. Um, last night, um, the Laval rocket beat, um, the, uh, Cleveland monsters one to nothing. Um, it was the, the first AHL shutout for, uh, Michael McNiven in his 39th, uh, AHL game. Um, McNiven just said, well, you know, I was due. It was about time that I, that I got one. Uh, but the shots in that game, uh, Cleveland had 38, Laval had 12. The shots, 38 to 12 for Cleveland. The, the, it was Michael McNiven. Uh, the, the, the Laval Rocket had no business um, winning that game. And um, none at all. And it was Michael McNiven that, that uh, was the story. Um, yeah, but it's been it's been 
not only last night's game, when you look at Michael McNiven's uh, last six starts, he has a 948 save percentage. He's 4-0-2. Connor LeCouve, uh, the, the PTO that was signed, in his last four, he's won all four starts with a 931 save percentage. So um, right throughout the organization, um, right now, in this period, well, uh, you know, this, uh, as I mentioned, 20 games for Carey Price, uh, the, the Canadians... Uh, and uh, and the Rocket are getting very good goaltending. They are. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. I. Uh, you know. I guess we're used to seeing Carey Price carry the, yeah. the Canadians, <laughs> but I thought this was a different year, and I, I think we're yeah. going to need to see more out of the rest of the team in order for them to kin- continue this surge to the to uh, uh, solidify their playoff spot. Uh, but let's let's applaud uh, the goaltending throughout the organization. Certainly one of, if not the biggest strength uh, in terms of organizational depth for the Montreal Canadiens is, is goaltending. And, and as you said in your recap of last night's game, since Shea Weber's returned, it's been the Shea Weber and Carey Price show for the Montreal Canadiens because Shea Weber has solidified that defense in a way that, I mean, early on this season, when you look at who was playing in front of Carey Price, I mean, he can only do so much. And it starts to make sense when you look at the way that his numbers have really skyrocketed since he's got gotten back uh, not only a competent defenseman in front of him, but one that's one of the best in the league. So Carey Price, I mean, it, it, this is what Carey Price is. He is one of, if not the best goaltenders in the league, and he's certainly shown that since he's gotten his friend and uh, and uh, defenseman, all-star, all-star caliber. My apologies there. <laughs> But uh, it's certainly shown since uh, Shea Weber's return. Uh, so uh, I do have a loser for this week, Rick. But should we take a little quick break and just build the suspense, or should we go right ahead? Why not wait? Yeah, we'll take that little quick break. I'll get what whatever just happened figured out, and uh, we'll be right back <laughs> with uh, with my loser of the week. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Paul Byron suspension and uh, and and Connor Crisp as well. So we'll be right back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com 
Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. I'm back. Uh, you can hear me now. Um, so I, uh, I did have a loser for this week. And in any week like this where the Montreal Canadiens went 4-0, any loser of the week that I select is going to seem a little bit nitpicky. And in this case, it kind of is. But at the same time, it's something that I've been concerned with for most of this season. And to me, it's that the Montreal Canadiens, I mean – Credit to Michael Chaput. I know that this isn't about him. He's been the guy that's been playing there, and unfortunately for him, he took a, the uh, delay of game penalty that led to the tying goal against Boston. That was really the only play this week that it came to mind for me when thinking about, okay, if I'm going to give a loser of the week, who am I going to give it to? And to me, it was that play and what it kind of represents for the Montreal Canadiens. Because Michael Chaput, to his credit, I, I, I won't say that he's been, you know, he's been great I won't say that he's been bad either he's been somewhere in between serviceable but nothing more nothing less and yes sometimes that's all you look for from a fourth line player but at the same time when you look back at the Montreal Canadiens and what happened what led to this point where Michael Chaput has been the Montreal Canadiens fourth line center for the better part of a month maybe two is that you selected you know you went out and you signed Matthew Packett to a one-way deal you had a boatload of defensemen. I think there was nine up on the roster at one time, if not eight, you know? So you had a lot of defensemen that were on the roster, like David Schlemko and Xavier Ouellette early this season. And you made choices with your roster that will impact you going forward because you, you let guys like Jakob De La Rose slip for nothing. And I know that people are going to come and say, well, that's not that big a deal. And look, you can believe that if you want. To me, I think that that is somewhat of a big deal because he's a versatile player that I think could help out with the Montreal Canadiens penalty kill that could help out, you know, move around, shift up and down the lineup if need be, and, and just play a reliable fourth line game for the, for the most part. And also Tomasz Blakanich, who you just basically were like, okay, we don't really need you anymore. So you can retire because you don't want to play for another organization. So you've selected these guys over, or rather you've selected guys like Matthew Pekka and early this season, Xavier Ouellette and David Schlemko over guys that I think could help you from this point on. And, you know, we're going to be talking about, I mean, I know that Mark Bergevin said that he doesn't want to play the rental game, but he might have to play the rental game if the Montreal Canadiens have aspirations for the playoffs, because I'm not quite sure that Michael Chaput is a guy that you would want you know, because when you look back, and I mean, we were talking about Josh George's, I mean, that 2014 team they had that made the Eastern Conference final, a strength of that team was being able to roll four lines. So if you want to go and, you know, and go out and get something, you're going to have to, you know, like playing that rental game is a little bit risky. So to me, I don't know if that's the best move for this team. And it could have been avoided if earlier on this season, 
they kind of had a better idea of what people were, what players were good enough and not good enough to be a part of this team. And I'm not quite sure that they did the best job of that. And to me, that that's my only concern is that you have a little bit of a depth concern at the four with forwards and, and, and specifically with that fourth line center position. Yeah. I think the, the choices that were made um, were odd ones. I'd agree with you there. Uh, Jakob De La Rose would look great um, yeah. on the fourth line now, and particularly uh, you know, a very responsible player, big body, um, and and uh, on the, the Canadians' uh, penalty kill. I think Chapu uh, was was appreciated for his faceoff ability, but um, you know I think he's wearing out his welcome pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and and there's certainly some some frustration with, with his decision-making. Um, it's pretty clear that, that um, Claude Julien has, has lost trust in Charles Houdon and, and um, you know, uh, particularly when, when it put uh, Mark Bergevin in a position when Houdon's saying, or at least his agent saying that um, they'd like to look elsewhere. Um, yeah. You know the the uh, Matthew Pekka. Um, I, I, I people were kind of overvaluing um, what he is, and and you know I, I think we said right from the beginning of the season, having seen, uh, having watched him in Syracuse, that he's he's an AHL caliber player. Um, yeah, speed's one thing, but but smarts is a whole other different thing. It's how you use your speed. Um, but it was interesting to, to see that um, with Byron on the suspension that, that when Peckett was slotted into the lineup that uh, Claude Julien didn't, he wasn't going to disturb that fourth line at all. It wasn't Pekka inserting Pekka on the, on, on the fourth line. Um, he, he was playing to the, to the left of Kokaniemi. So yeah. um, is that really um you know, is that enough as you you move uh, towards a, 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 a playoff run or even into the playoffs? Uh, are you going to want Matthew Pekka on your on your third line? For that matter, um, when you get into the playoffs, are you going to want Nicholas Delorier in the lineup at all? Um, yeah, I I don't I don't now. I understand that at some point uh, Andrew Shaw is going to come back, but I expect when yeah. when that happens that that uh, Charles Houdon will be placed on waivers. Um, and, you know, if, if nothing else happens in the meantime, um, but it's, it's, yeah, you're right that, that um, what all of a sudden there's a depth issue and, and that it looks like, I think fans are, are looking towards um, the trade deadline coming as, as Mark Bergevin making some big move to, you know, uh, a muzzin move to to fill the left defense position or or something equally big. I don't I don't see that happening at all. That you know there yeah. might be big moves in the summer, but um, with with Mark Bergevin already signaling to other GMs that um, he has no intention of trading any of the prospects who are at the World Juniors, and he has no intention of trading his first round pick. Um, those for the big moves. Those are the kind of ingredients uh, the components that that would be required to bring in uh, a big player so you're going to see Mark Bergevin I, I mean he's 
he 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 couldn't let a a, a deadline go by without making any, any moves. <laughs> That's just not Mark Bergevin. Yeah. Um, but you're going to see him having to address this depth issue that you raised because of the choices that they made earlier in the season. And yeah, so, and and last night, Michael Chaput did have a great one man effort kind of thing on that opening goal, but there, there's, there's been a little bit more of a, uh, there's been a bigger picture kind of thing for Michael Chaput over the last little while. And, and, you know, that penalty against Boston was, Something that, I mean, if you're going to be looking towards the playoffs, that's the kind of thing that you can't have happen. And and certainly uh, in this case, Michael Chaput has been a guy that's been relied upon more as a defensive player than, than a guy like Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who has kind of showed that he is a guy that, yes, maybe he's not as good in the face-off circle, but he is a guy that reads and breaks up plays, at, a, at a, at least to me, at a higher at a higher level than Michael Chaput. So... You know, going forward, as I say, this is going to be as and 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 you said it as well. The trade deadline is going to be something to watch, and uh, you know he he doesn't often let a time or a trade deadline go by without making some sort of a move. And I think that this is the uh, area to address for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the big topic for this week, and and there's a couple of things that we're gonna put in put forward to you for this week, but. The, the overriding theme is concussions and, and the way that, that we've kind of seen, uh, and we're going to talk about the Paul Byron hit. We're going to talk about the Nick DeLaurier fight with Kevin Miller against the Bruins. And, and we're going to talk about Connor Crisp. So Rick, I'll let you get us started. I think that, that, that it just kept coming back. The, the yeah. head injuries um, uh, was kind of a theme this week. And um you know, certainly concussions is a uh, con- uh, the issue of concussions is 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 a big topic, and and we certainly can't um, address it fully in in a segment on no, a podcast. Yeah. Um, so it's something we'll come back to. But I thought that we should in- introduce it and 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 look at all the things that are happening with the Montreal Canadiens and in hockey, because um, there was a number of them this week, and um, yeah. There was the Connor Crisp video that that we promoted um, in last week's show, and and Connor Crisp was um, was one of my win- or was my winner of the week, and 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 but that was in advance of seeing the video which um, which followed. Um, as you said, there was the the, the Nicholas Delorier fight, um, the uh, the Paul Byron suspension, and um, also the the NHL players. Uh, the deadline was Friday. Um, the uh, class action suit against the NHL with respect yeah. to a concussion settlement. So all of these things were were happening kind of uh, simultaneously. So it, it made sense to to talk about it. And and if I can just um, let me just start with Connor. Well, no, let's let's start with Nicholas Delorier. Um, yeah. It was it was in in the Boston game the the Nicholas Delorier uh, fight with Kevin Miller and um, from what I saw on Twitter it was uh, uh, well it was it was it was positive it was it was wow it was yeah. kind of an old fashioned uh, no holds barred um, fists of flying kind of fight um, and uh, you know I, I I don't I don't know that that it didn't seem to me that it changed any momentum one way or the other for either team. Um, yeah. But with, with 
so few opportunities to for Nicholas Delorier <laughs> to get any recognition. I understand why the the team gave him the cape after after that fight because it's it's you don't see that kind of thing anymore. Um, yeah. But I think you and I exchanged some messages and and we were thinking about okay Nicholas Delorier um, that's his game that's that's what he's good at I guess but man, we wouldn't want to see that for any other player, um, you know, an Andrew Shaw or, or, or um, another player who were crucial to the, to, the, uh, to the Canadians lineup. You know, when you talk about that kind of a, I, I mean, I understand it from a fan's perspective of seeing, you know, a Boston Bruin and a Montreal Canadian going, you know, fist for, you know, just absolutely wailing on each other. But you know, after watching, I mean, and, and, you know, we're going to talk about Connor Chris, but there was one thing from that video that made me look at this a completely other way. And that was that Connor Chris said that he got more, he got a better feeling, a better feeling of joy from a fight than a goal or an assist or any type of point, anything like that. He would rather be fighting than doing anything, any of those things, at least in his playing days. And so, when I now hear about the things that Connor Chris deals with on a daily basis, I can't in good conscience support a player or two players, you know, going, going back and forth like that with, and I understand it from the perspective of Nick Delorier, because as you say, that's the one thing. I mean, I know that he's become, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of a, a fan favorite for one reason or another for his performance last season and a guy that, gets looked at as, as, you know, a guy that plays with a lot of energy and that can provide a little bit of that sandpaper element. But looking at that, I mean, they're, they're two big boys, no doubt about it. Kevin Miller, I mean, pound for pound, you heard it on the broadcast, was probably one of the strongest of the So, But I mean, that happened after we'd, we'd heard what we'd heard from Connor Crisp and his family. Well, that's just that's just it. Maybe it was seeing yeah. that in a in a whole new light. And I, yeah, you know, I I know the the other side of it. I know that that um, you know some fans fans of fighting in the game say, well, nobody ever sits during a fight. Well, I mean, nobody sits when there's uh, you know a, a, a crash in NASCAR either. Um, yeah, but but. <laughs> Uh, NASCAR does everything possible to make sure to avoid. It's not like they're promoting them um, for uh, their fan interest. I mean, rubbernecking on the highway, people, people slow down and, 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 and look at, at accidents. It doesn't make it a good thing. It doesn't make it a desirable thing. Um, Those kind of comments that people make are just silly to me. And um particularly after watching that video, as, as you said, um, you messaged me after watching that video and you talked about how powerful it was. Yeah. Uh, it was, and we're talking about the, the documentary done by Radio Canada on Connor Crisp, who uh, to catch everybody up had to retire Canadians prospect third round pick had to retire from hockey um, at the, the young age of 24 after um experiencing about seven or eight concussions. And, and as you said, he, he uh, talked about fighting and, and how it was better than getting a goal. Um, but that, 
that you know he 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 was never told to fight, but he he said, you know what? If that wasn't a, an element to my game, I I know I wouldn't have been drafted. Um, <clears throat> And if you watched him play, um, either in junior or, or when he was in the AHL, you know that he was a pretty skilled player. He could put the puck in the net. He had a, certainly an edge to his game, um, but could be a, a, a valuable uh, fourth-line player. And he talked about how, being, how he was so close to uh, getting his call-up, uh, but yeah. then ran into these injury situations one after the other, um, that um, eventually forced him um, into retirement and, and, you know, talked about um, the concern about CTE and, and uh, watched uh, a video uh, uh, by, on YouTube by Daniel Carcillo and that kind of uh, helped him make his, his uh, decision. And um, you realize what, what um, a huge effect it can have um, not only on a hockey career, not only, you know, and, and he referenced um, uh, one fight that he had against the Lehigh Valley Fan- Phantoms as, yeah. um, and there was a video in, in uh, that documentary, um, uh, just a direct blow that kind of knocked him out and, and, uh, and started um, his, his, uh, his whole issue. And you kind of look at concussions and head injuries and fighting and, and all of that in a different light after seeing that video. Yeah. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was a little bit naive of me, I admit now, but I was, I, it wasn't the type of video that, I, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be that powerful. But, you know, when you hear what he deals with on a daily basis, the headaches, the constant headaches that he just has every single day, like imagine, I can't even comprehend that. Just waking up every day and having the same feeling having that same headache every day, just follow you. And that was what I was thinking about when I was watching Nick Delorier and Kevin Miller go at it is, I mean, you know, never mind. I mean, you talk about the bumps and bruises that you get over the course of an NHL season. And I mean, we don't know what these guys are dealing with also from the standpoint of, of maybe they are, and maybe they still, maybe they do have headaches like that. I mean, I know that there, when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, there isn't really, I mean, there, there have been some players that have had concussion problems, but it isn't, you know, prevalent like it was with Connor Crisp, who just, who just had it, you know, one after the other, and it just kind of snowballed from there, you know? So that to me is, is the part of it that I look at, and I, I just can't really support it as much as I used to, because I used to think, and, and I, you know, to a degree, I still can, I can see the merit in the argument that, you know, it, it's, that's what polices the on ice part of the game, but it's becoming less and less like that. And, and, and I, and as you say, there's it, it, the chances for Nick Delorier to get into a fight are, are less and less likely at this point, because it's just become this, some, this kind of thing that's sort of passe because everyone knows the issues that, that, that can lead to. Well, and, and Connor Crisp talked about, um, you know, uh, with with certain injuries, you can you're you're active in 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 rehabilitating those injuries. Yeah. With a concussion, it's uh, the only thing you can do is is nothing, uh, yeah. and and really nothing. He talked about sitting in a dark room, no TV, um, no computers, uh, uh, no books, 
Um, yeah. And and that became his life. And then that led to anxiety issues. It led to depression. It led to all kinds yeah. of things. And I think that's we're also hearing that with respect to this um, uh, class action suit that that um, 318 players have filed with the NHL. Um, the NHL has offered a settlement. Um, um, they are accepting no responsibility, but have offered a settlement. Uh, and I, I think, I think what hurts this class action suit is that so few players, uh, 300 is not very many for a class action suit, uh, you know, over the course of the history of, of the NHL, of, um, and, uh, the, the league has offered $22,000 per player, plus $75,000 in medical costs, plus all of their um, uh, legal fees paid. And, um, yeah. you, you know, the, the, the players are split on this. Uh, you know, many have, have, are, are going to opt to, the deadline was Friday, as I said. Uh, many are going to opt to, to take the settlement. You have some who are very outspoken um, about it, uh, I think it was Nick Boynton who said it was the the offer was an insult. Daniel Carcillo has been um, very vocal uh, about it. The the issue with you know when Carcillo is your spokesperson, he is a, a very unsympathetic kind of person in that he played such a a reckless game and with with such disregard to. Um, there seemed to be no respect uh, for his fellow players in his game. So it's, it's hard to take him seriously and it's hard to, um, you know, get on board behind this. And, and I expect that, that the, the majority of players are going to, um, you know, the, the players who have opted in are, are not uh, the wealthier of the players. And, and yeah. so um, to start this process all over again with new lawyers and legal, they're not, they're not there. So the opportunity to have their legal fees paid and at least get some money towards medical spe- expenses, I expect that's going to happen. But, but as we've seen in other sports, this is, this, um, the ending of this lawsuit isn't going to be the end of this issue. No. Yeah, this is going to be something, and and you know because it, it's and sometimes you know it's just it's the nature of of sport is that sometimes these things happen. But I mean with with fighting, I think that's becoming less and less of an issue. So hopefully that side of it, at least concussions, might not derive from from that type of a thing. But one thing that it will most likely still and continue to uh, to derive from is are dangerous hits. And you know we talked about the Paul Byron suspension off the top of the show. And and do you, what were your immediate thoughts on the hit? Where did you think the three games was too much, too little, just right? Well, um, when you in handing down the three game suspension, um, the NHL Department of, of Player Safety released a video, as they do, explaining their decision. Yeah. And um, in in hearing what what they said, I couldn't disagree with anything. They talked about him. Uh, Paul Byron, that is uh, leaving his his skates, leaving the ice. He he certainly launched himself um, and didn't have to, uh, not into the core of of Uyghur, but uh, you know into his head, um, yeah. and that that the the first point of direct uh, and forceful impact, uh, I think was the terminology they used, uh, was was to the head, um, and. So I, you know, uh, we're 
the conversation um, that followed on, on social media was kind of like um, uh, we were talking about bus fares. Um, Oh gee, uh, uh, you know, I, I could have been happy with a 25 cent increase, but a 50% a 50 cent increase in bus, I, you know, that's too much. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of what the conversation was. About yeah. about the suspension. Oh, three games, that's too much. I would have I would have gone with one game or two games. Instead of thinking about as we as watching that video with with um Connor Crisp, one incident can create a um major concussion. Um one incident to the head can create a major incident that um is career changing, is is potentially career ending. Um, and I think we have to we have to start thinking about um, those kinds of things rather than you know oh he has to pay a fine oh he has to the, 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 it's a cost of doing business kind of thing. I yeah. think that the the NHL has to uh, lay down the 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 number of games of the suspension have to be enough to get the player's attention to stop. And yeah. I think in this case. It was absolutely the right right number because you you uh, immediately got a an apology from Paul Byron. You don't see that yeah. every day. No, um, yeah. saying that that he accepted the, the the ruling, he accepted the number of games, he realized that he was wrong, and uh, he's committed to not doing it again. That's exactly what you want to see from a suspension. That's exactly yeah. what, so. In in my mind, in that regard, how it all played out. It was the right number of games. Yeah, and and you mentioned the, the apology from Paul Byron. You like you have to know, and and he's a guy that has no history, so you have to know that it was not his intent. It very much was not his intention. But as you say, he his foot his feet did come off the ground. He uh, he elevated into a position where the only point and the only point of contact would have been his head. But there was a hit that was available to him that would have you know, as the video explains that he could have legally hit him shoulder to shoulder or through his core, but he went and elevated and, and went up to his head. And that, and look, sometimes, unfortunately there, there's just points in a game. The hockey's a very fast game. Those kind of things, things happen, but when they do happen, they need to be dealt with appropriately. And I think the NHL did a good job in handing out a suspension that Paul Byron, and look, if, if, if people are going to sit and argue about whether or not he should have got three games, I mean, the guy released an apology, uh, what, an hour after the ruling, if that? If he's okay with it, then what's your issue, you know? So Paul Byron, I think, you know, he, he said everything that he needed to say. He was clearly, uh, you know, very apologetic about the entire thing, and, and he took his suspension. He took it a little slap, you know, slap on the on the wrist type thing, and I, I completely agree with the decision because I don't think Paul Byron's going to do anything like that or you know at least not for the foreseeable future anyway I mean unfortunately hockey's an unpredictable game in that regard but I don't think Paul Byron you know is going to uh to continue to be a thorn in the NHL and the Department of Player Safety side the way that other players have been when the they haven't necessarily dropped the hammer the way that they maybe should have so and it'll I'll be just say, I, I mean, many are complain uh, of comparing it to um, unfavorably comparing uh, Paul Byron's suspension to the two game suspension that Nashville's uh, Ryan Johansson got. 
Yeah. Ryan Johansson's suspension was, I mean, it's a, it was a, a very different kind of play. Um, yeah. It was two players, Johansson and, and the Jets, uh, Mark Shifley, that were, that were in a heated um, uh, puck battle behind the, the goal line. And, and um, they were both jostling a heated puck battle and, and uh, Johansson wheeled around uh, to kind of disengage himself and um, uh, high sticked uh, Shifley uh, in the helmet. Serious deserves a suspension. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, was there intention there? I, Maybe not, uh, but as as the as the video said, um, you know, a player is responsible for uh, their stick the the entire time. Um, yeah. And and to me, um, uh, two games there was appropriate. Less few, one fewer game than Byron is appropriate um, because it was somewhat. Um, because there was a puck battle going on, it wasn't yeah. just one player launching himself at another. Um, that said, if you know if they had a given Johansson three game, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have argued with that either. But, but, yeah. um, I, 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 again, it was a hit to the head, and and you want to see that stopped in the NHL. That's for sure, and um, I think as long as the Department of Player Safety continue to, as you say dole out the punishment as they see fit and do it in a way that players won't do it another time or do it again and become repeat offenders, then I think that they're doing their job. And I, and for Paul Byron, the way that I look at everything that transpired, I don't imagine that he's going to be somebody that will be a repeat offender in uh, at least, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. So uh, I guess we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to hear what you have to say. We we threw it out there earlier this week about the Paul Byron suspension. So we're going to read some comments from you. And then we have a bad tweet. So we'll be right back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com i bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning well don't just show your friends show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We were talking about the Paul Byron uh, hit just a, uh, just moments ago. And, uh, you know, we're going to look through some of your comments earlier this week. And, and one thing that I didn't actually notice was that, uh, as I was saying through the break, was that Daniel Carcillo and, and Paul Byron kind of had a little bit of a back and forth about the hit itself. And, and that's uh, if you go into the NHL player safety account, you, you can see that below. And obviously, if you go to Paul Byron's Twitter account, you might be able to see it as well. But that's just something to throw out there. And, and Paul Byron kind of, you know, defending himself a little bit, having been a guy that doesn't really have a history of anything, as, as the video says, no fines, no suspensions. He he's doesn't have a history. So anyways, I'll just throw that out there for the time being. Um, but diving in a little bit to some of your comments, some of the feedback I mean, you, you've you had the apology earlier this week, and then I mean, there's there's Terry who's saying that she thinks that it should have been one game, that that Paul Byron uh, should have probably gotten one instead of the three. I mean, it, yeah. So there there's comments like that, and you know, you're looking at some of these other ones. I mean, you're looking at the apology, which uh, he got a lot of feedback about the apology basically saying, you know what, you're, he was a classy guy. A lot of, you know, there'd be players that would defend themselves in that position, having had no history, no prior history of being someone with, uh, with a history of, of dangerous hits or suspensions or fines. And Paul Byron came out and made that, uh, that apology. So a lot of people just, just saying that he's, he's class. And one person, even uh, Maximilian saying that he should not have apologized. And uh, you know, so, you know, beyond that, I think that, you know, it's it's a play where you see a guy that doesn't typically get involved in that kind of a in that kind of a thing. And, and I think it was good for him to uh, to apologize for that, at least what's Facebook saying? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, the apology was um, shows that Paul Byron gets it. And I expect yeah. that that, uh, you know, he his attention is now on on um, being more responsible and and uh, yeah. I I don't think we'll we'll see him as a repeat offender. Um, no, yeah. That said, if you have if you have uh, comments again, social media whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, hit us up there or text us at five eight five three rocket five eight five three rocket. Text us all week, anytime, any time of yeah. the day or night, uh, and we'll be glad to include your comments uh, on Facebook. Um, I think there was the same kind of of uh, comments about one game, two game, you know, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. But the ones that that uh, you know bring a new kind of measure to this, um, Bob Lamoureux says, um, uh, "Paul's the first time offender. I have seen worse for less." Um, and Patrick Briere replied and said, "I've seen less for worse." Um, so I think what they're getting at, and then and then others commented, um, was the consistency aspect. Um, yeah. I, you know, I I think I think 
that uh, it, it's been it's been atrocious in the past, absolutely atrocious. There's been no consistency whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's been a little better this season. Just from my general view, is that consistency has been a little better from player safety. Um, but I think that's you know it. As I said before, it wouldn't matter so much the number of games as long as it was appearing to be consistent. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's certainly what, what fans want to see. And I think that, you know, it's, it's certainly been an area where on ice they've lacked consistency as well with what warrants what exactly and, and whether, you know, it's uh, specifically, I mean, goaltender interference comes to mind, but even with hits that, that would later on be looked at for suspension, sometimes you don't really know if it's going to be a, a, you know, a minor for boarding or, five in a game like it's it's always it's tough to say that that even and and like I said it's it's not an it's not something it's not an enviable position you know it's 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 difficult to kind of look at those plays and evaluate them and see and you know look at it in a, in a case-by-case basis and I think as you say they're doing a little bit of a better job but I mean there's still a long way to go with with whether you know how how things like this are handled so would you like to move on to the bad tweet of the week? <laughs> Let's do that. All right. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadian's Connection. All right, Rick. So what have you got this week? Well, we, we've, we've got time to, uh, to squeeze in one. And, and yeah. <laughs> I won't repeat what I said about uh, Carey Price. Uh, I mean, it's obvious to, to anybody who's been watching uh, that way back to – to uh you know in november uh he's been playing out of his mind he's been he's been terrific yeah uh and back to being the dominant goaltender and as i said uh his performance against the bruins was uh was lights out he was he was dominant he was intimidating against the bruins um and this is uh from uh hab central i think he's been featured in a bad uh, tweet before alex <laughs> um he despises carry price irrationally yeah. despises Carey Price. He just hates him. Um, so he said, um, hmm, this is, this is just prior to the, the Canadians game against the Bruins. Oh, we have Carey Price versus uh, an opponent with an above 500 record. Let's see how many he lets in tonight. Don't <laughs> let a nice December fool you. He's on the decline and you'll see it tonight. The only thing he didn't say is mark my words, which we're marking his words <laughs> by, by featuring him. Uh, yeah. And then he gleefully said uh, when, when uh, I think it was the Marshawn goal, um, yeah. he, he said, there you go. Uh, Price gives up the first goal. And he was all excited about that, 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 that uh, the Bruins are going to fill the net and, and that uh, uh, he was gleeful about a Canadian's loss with Price in the net, but um, it didn't happen didn't happen that no. way at all. And as I no. said, uh, Price was dominant uh, and uh, uh, lights out versus the Bruins. And um, perhaps when you're cheering against your team so vigorously, you, you should change the name from Hab Central to something else. But that's just, yeah. that's just my own opinion. It, it might make a little bit more sense if you did that, uh, considering I don't think that uh, the Habs would be where the Habs are right now if it weren't for the month that Carey Price has put together. Maybe even the past two months that he's put together. We're almost through January. I mean, from basically the point, like I said, and like you said in your recap, from the point that Shea Weber returned, it's been the Shea Weber and Carey Price show. 
And Carey Price has ranked statistically amongst the, the best goaltenders in the league, where he is he should be because he is one of the best goaltenders in the league. So it's still ridiculous to me that people are going to point to this narrative that that he's not a franchise goaltender or he's on the decline. I mean, Carey Price is Carey Price. He went in last night, and, and he had a remarkable game. He's had a remarkable week. And he's had a pretty good season. If you look at yeah. one statistic I didn't mention, you said uh, you just said uh, Canadians wouldn't be in the position that they are in now. Uh, one statistic on uh, hockey references is, is the points contributed by goaltenders. Uh, uh. Carey Price is in the top five. Um, leading the league is John Gibson with, with nine. That is their yeah. estimation of of the number of points that the goaltender, specifically the goaltender, has contributed. And if he wasn't starting, you take those points away. So um, uh, Carey Price is, uh, like I said, top five. He's close to seven points. Take seven points off the Canadians' total right now, and you, and you know where they'd be? They wouldn't be in a playoff spot. They would be in nope. – uh, yeah, they'd be in a rough place. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just think about <laughs> where the Canadians would be without Carey Price. And uh, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not at all. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, uh, how he continues to perform as this season goes on and how the Montreal Canadiens continue to perform. So uh, that'll be it for this episode. Tonight, the Montreal Canadiens are home. They're going to be playing the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So they're going to be looking to uh, – Get, extend that win streak to five. A nice even five would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that all goes. And uh, yeah, so is there anything you'd like to say before we head off, Rick? I just, uh, I mean, again, uh, there's there's so much happening. So uh, please yeah. feel free to uh, engage with us on social media. Uh, and also check out our other uh, podcasts. Um, we have some great podcasts. Yeah. The one on the AHL from AHL.Report is from the press box. We have have a listen with Lewis and Gibby. We have um, uh, Habs unfiltered with uh, Blaine, Matt and uh, Treg, who's uh, been deployed to see. Um, yeah. So um, find, find our podcast. And I think, I think uh, uh, you'll be able to tell us where to find those wonderful podcasts. Well, you can find those podcasts on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Spotify. So search for Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe. Along with that, be sure to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, uh, and we do have, I mean, for, uh, for any new subscribers, we do have now the Habs Unfiltered uh, podcast that will be joining from the press box and, uh, and, the, uh, and this podcast, Habs Connection. Uh, or Canadian connection, rather. <laughs> Forgot the name. My goodness. But anyways, this will be it'll be the three. You get the whole deal, the three of them, and then you also have Habs Unfiltered, which is a lovely podcast. Or Habs, have a listen. My goodness, what is wrong with me today? <laughs> you have the uh, the Have a Listen podcast with Lewis and Gibby, along with the Habs Unfiltered podcast with Blaine and Matt, with uh, contributions from Treg. And the From the Press Box podcast, as Rick mentioned. So there you go. I know all of them. I, I know what I'm, I'm saying most of the time. <laughs> so as I said, you can follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection. You can follow me at Joe Whalen 19 You can follow Rick Manning, the at All Habs account. And uh, yeah, so tonight the Montreal Canadiens, as I said, are going to be doing battle with the Philadelphia Flyers. So that'll be an interesting game. And we'll be right back with you next week to discuss that and more. 
And uh, that will be at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. So we will talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to Canadians Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.